this evening adverts uh, this show is going to be particularly for healthcare professionals. We're going to try and put in some information which is relative to runners as well, because at the end of the day, runners, you depend on the quality information which the physio or sports therapist or osteopath or chiropractor is going to give you when you go to them with an injury. And Jack Chu of Chu's Health and the Physio Matters podcast is a key player in improving that information and um, attempting to just bring the level of education and service which you receive when you do see a, a therapist, particularly physiotherapist, um, up to date, because unfortunately it does need shifting. There's a lot of anyone who watches this show will realise what's what we try and do. We try and put some evidence back into what's become a little bit outdated and poor information. Um, so, yeah, that's why we got Jack. Before I bring Jack on, uh, just to remind you, if you are local to Brighton and Hove, then uh, up in Romney and Hove Park is now underway. And we're right in the middle of Hope Park with Matt Barsh of Riptide. So um, if you are looking for someone to look after your running injuries or pain or just need some advice on uh, those of you doing the Brighton Marathon today, if it didn't go quite well, then go there and have a little chat with Mitchell or Craig or myself. Um, so, yeah, we're there right in the middle of Hope Park, up and running. Um, and hovepark.com is the website. Um, so, yeah, come visit us if you are local. Right. Enough of that said. I'm going to uh, give a little five second breakdown. Um, and invite Jack to come up and say hello. Hey Jack, how you doing? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Yeah, quite a quality intro. Really enjoyed that. I'm sorry, I'm going to disappoint you. <laughs> no way. I'm just going to give five minutes for ladies to just kind of unstick themselves from the seats and just kind of like finish swooning. Because look at the look at what a beautiful man. What a beautiful man. A credit to the north, to, to Manchester. So, yeah, thanks, mate, for filling this gap I needed. I did need some uh, red-blooded male on the screen to stop people from criticising me. So well, you're I, can't, I, can't think, I can't think I have been the token red-blooded male before. I, I, don't, I don't think that's... Oh, he's so modest as well. So modest as well. We'll have some look at some photos, which will prove my point um, as we come <laughs> up. So, anyway, brilliant. Thanks so much for coming. Um, I know you're a busy man. Um, I'm hoping people have kind of seen in 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 the advertising i put for this about who you are and what you do obviously a lot of people will know you from the physio matters podcast uh, particularly therapists if you're a therapist and you don't know jack and this face is new to you or the physio matters podcast is new to you then you really um, do need to check out the physio matters podcast the exciting thing is you've got 63 episodes now to catch up on so that's your uh, listening list ready for the next two years uh, but i've also we got you on jack because you're in a nutshell, and I'm going to stop talking in a sec, but I just want to kind of introduce you as I think you are. Um, you're the kind of man who's put words into action. I think that's what I put on the advert. Um, and I don't want to make your head too big and explode, but I've known you for a few years now. And me inclusive, I've drawn myself away from trying to make a change because I, it just seems like such an uphill task. And I feel kind of weak because of that. But it's just from years ago when we first met, and I remember having a conversation with you in some pub, I think, after hours. I don't know how we found ourselves there, but you were kind of taught. It was after, like, I think it was the Greg Lehman. No, it wasn't. It was uh, Adam Meekins and Greg Lehman. It was the shoulder complex thing they were doing, wasn't it, at Spy Bushy? We were having a chat, and you were kind of, we were talking about, oh, God, how difficult it is to make a change and a difference. And I think I was bringing you down, but you were saying, no, mate. We can do this, you know, stay in touch. There's exciting things coming on. And that was quite a few years ago. Yeah. But exciting things have happened now, haven't they? So tell us about that. 
Yeah, well, I'm really pleased that your uh, I'm pleased at your analysis there, and I, I I hope I live up to that, and I hope people recognise that in me that it's action as well as talk because there is a lot of talk, you know, and and I am just someone a physio that that shares his views and questions on the internet, and so there's an awful lot of talk involved in it. So the fact that I'm recognised for actions and the doing as well is of course really important because I hope that that represents me. I hope people uh, agree with you there. Um, but generally, what, what I often was seen as being a bit of a blissful optimist and was being, you know, naive is a word that continues to haunt me uh, for that reason, because people sometimes see it as being un- unlikely um, what, what our wider goals are. But in recent years, what, what I've realized is that, that we were fortunate to be consistent with the material we were putting out there. The voices were broad and the opinions diverse, and then a coalition naturally emerged where people were sharing a common language. So what we did was recognizing around the Physiomatters podcast and the social media feeds surrounding it and relationships such as the one that me and you developed from uh, chats over a beer after courses at conferences, people coming up to me, I like what you're doing. But generally what was happening is we realized that there was a feedback network that they might not agree on everything, but they are on the same channel or at least on the same page or at least the conversation, if we were to get people together, could start in third gear. It didn't have to start in first gear because there was they all listened to the same radio show, so to speak. So the commonalities that seem to emerge from the interviews with the best and brightest through the podcast I thought if we could get them together, then if there is a shared value, if we can pull and there's a thread that seems to connect these people and these ideas, then perhaps that's the way that we can gain leverage. And so that's what we decided to do. And I'm sure we can talk about the detail of that rather than me just pitching it as a project. But that's what why the action really took hold is because I realized that there was enough shared value there to then make sure that the it wasn't just a talk about differences. It was about, right, we seem to agree on enough of a majority here for us to really put some of this into action. And so it really did truly emerge. It wasn't like eventually a master plan from years ago came together. It was that it actually it was a hot spot that then was ready to spread, which is an, anal- an analogy and a metaphor that I use quite a lot for this, is that it really was just something that just seemed to then take off. Yeah, I mean, I liked when we were talking earlier, just before the show, um, you were very quick to mention that you were just the person who got already great minds together. I mean, which is such a nice, modest thing to say, but I think it's important to recognize that before you kind of appeared and, and took everyone and got them together, it was just, oh, it just seemed like people were just, it was just a big tank of confirmation bias and people bigging each other up and slagging off someone who normally didn't dare appear to kind of defend themselves because it was just all too intimidating, everyone with capital letters. And I remember there were a few times it was like people would just put up, I know, things which other physiotherapists had said. I think Sammy Margot was getting kind of quoted every single day on Twitter. And it was like, oh, look what she said about putting a bit of string around. But that's fine. Everyone can slag her off until, the, you know, the end of the days. But someone's got to stand up and actually make a difference and kind of get involved in kind of the politics behind it and make a difference. So and names weren't even tossed around. But then in the background, you were obviously doing some great stuff and, and thinking, actually, I want to we can do something about this. There's enough talking about it. Let's kind of. So, yeah, my hat, my hat goes off to you for actually filling that space, um, because otherwise I think it would just have fizzled away it would have just been like an yeah. old man's group of a, just people talking pent-up squabbling wasn't it and to be honest that that is super relevant to 
the whole story is that I couldn't help but see that there were kernels of truth and some validity to many of the different sides of those squabbles. And so trying to point people towards the agreements rather than being heated by the disagreements was was a tactic and and conversation does that long form conversations doubling down on our method really for long form podcasts and recognizing that the listenership wasn't fading if we did an episode that was longer than an hour because it was interesting material and it was education with an informative and um uh, entertaining twist you know it was it was something that people really did want to tune into physio matters rather than put radio 4 on or whatever it might be and that made a big difference because once these things were unpacked, people realized that, right, there might be a headline there that I disagree with. But when you hear the evidence underneath it, whilst I might come to still disagree with the premise, I can understand the train of logic and just turning people towards understanding the best side of the opposition's argument. And and that's that's sort of my core value and, and, and what I've always tried to do with both in and out of physiotherapy. And it just... To my mind, and I don't want to jinx it, but it is working. You know, people are willing to engage with things on a deeper level and understand the consequences from the clinical through the operational to the organizational, political, and we can add the layers to it without necessarily getting getting lost in in the slanging matches. So yeah, I'm, I'm again I'm pleased you've seen it that way. Um, I agree uh, with my biases. <laughs> And for people who who haven't tuned into the show yet to get an idea, because so many people are doing podcasts these days, and probably, I mean, I think again, you were probably one of the, definitely the first that drew my attention. I started listening to regularly, and then since then, some other great ones came out as well. But um, you were definitely one of the kind of like forefathers of it. But give us an idea, and this isn't just to blow your own trumpet again, but give give people an idea of how many downloads you're getting these days on, for example, Physio Matters podcast. What are the figures like? Yeah, um, it's difficult with the very, very current metrics because we've changed onto different providers and stuff. But just as a general rule, we get about 20,000 downloads of each episode on a monthly basis. Brilliant. But it just yeah. depends as to when you play, you know, when you cut that. Um, we, we hit a million downloads um, after about three and a half years, I think it was. We did our celebrity episode, but I might be getting that, that wrong. Um, as a general rule, we're about we're comfortably at one and a half million downloads across all platforms. We tend to tend to broaden our appeal as well. And that's one of the things I've been most pleased with. We hear from patients. So obviously the main mechanism of us instigating change and trying to get the education out there is via clinicians. And we, we, we're unapologetic about that. That's kind of the format of the show is that it's for grassroots job in clinicians. However, we do get an awful lot of patients that get in touch with us that listen to some of the material direct. And then it helps them to question and challenge some of the care that they've received or understand it better as well as then sports therapists sports rehabilitation professionals chiropractors osteopaths doctors surgeons you know that's the thing i've been most pleased with is we've proliferated beyond a base and anyone that's got an interest in msk and even wider healthcare, we seem to be catching those and we've got plans to try and make sure we broaden our appeal further uh, whilst not watering down the core premise but yeah those are the those are the general numbers and then across the big r's which is then the the um think tank that i've then created uh, off the back of it with my team that's also got some got some uh, big numbers in terms of what impressions we can make in and around our events which is really promising so uh, that's uh yeah the, the the numbers have blown my mind and a lot of it though is back to what you first said it was the the timing was 
there's nothing but good luck there, really, with regards to what was going to happen within the internet. Uh, you think about basic, boring stuff like bandwidth limits, accessibility, people, um, data became cheaper, you know, mobile phone data became cheaper so that people weren't necessarily having to, um, the awkward clunkiness of the original iTunes podcast app was was such that people had to download it on the Sunday night to listen to it on the Monday. While it wasn't that difficult, it's certainly, people are less bothered about pressing stream on an hour's podcast now because it matters less to their data usage because they've got a bigger data package now these things really matter with regards to accessibility to media content and so we just hit a sweet spot there where we really were at the start of a, of a wave now it's been challenging because you know the competition in the market means that we used to have really uh, boosted numbers we were 20 27 28,000 downloads a month at one point so you could argue we've faded but if you look at what those are when you trace the metrics it's that because there's more of an appeal more podcasts including your own then people are unlikely to listen two three four times and whereas they used to listen once a week until the next episode because it was one of only a few physio or related shows to their profession if that was something that they were doing to invest in their cpd so in terms of downloads it looks like we've faded but i don't necessarily think we've faded or lost much of an audience but it is very hard to track yeah yeah that's interesting it's i never considered that as well at the time yeah our data got cheaper and the access and phones were getting more technological and it was so much of a much more pleasurable experience to actually listen to a podcast and that's I never thought of that the other thing which i think has helped you with other podcasts, because a lot of podcasts, they end up interviewing other podcasters. Um, right. I mean, for example, I love comedy podcasts. So to relax and unwind, the last thing I want to listen to is about therapy. I mean, I need to actually disconnect sometimes. So I listen to com comedy podcasts. But I myself have fallen prey to you. Listen to somebody who's also a podcast presented. Suddenly you end up looking at their podcast. Before you know it, you've put that in their library. And now you've left that original person. And like, so I think there's a danger with podcasters of having guests on who are other podcasters because people um, end up kind of losing, you know, losing interest and then going on to someone new. But in terms of you, because your guests really, apart from a couple, aren't podcasters, um, that doesn't happen. So you've definitely got your loyal people from the very beginning. Um, talking at the beginning, I think I've got an image. Oh, no, there's the team. Let's have a little shout out for the team because I've had the pleasure of meeting a few of these guys. They stayed pretty much the same since the beginning, haven't they? Yeah, I mean that that photo is um, from the conference, and so that's our current existing core team. And there's some long timers there, uh, mm. certainly. Um, and there's, I mean, my wife's in the centre there. That's that's Charlotte, um, and so obviously that's where it all all began. Uh, there's very few that we've we've lost along the way, although they still contribute when they can. But Barnsley is in the back right. As I look at that photo, mm -hmm. he's he's been there as as consulting and 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 doing, done whatever he could as along the way, and very involved still to this day. And it's great for him to be the wise owl of the team to for people to bounce off and to remind some of the the younger members and the newer members of the team of the core values of why we do what we do what where it emerged from and uh, stops it being preachy from me and from Charlotte because he can remind the gang as to where we were and what, we, what we're doing it for. At the, along the back there, you've got Tom 
Matt and George, and they were our apprentices. They came on as being like, could we translate this for a student audience? And now they're qualified six physios that are doing brilliantly in, the, in their own right. But they came on um, as part of a student, a new graduate project that we were doing. And then because of the big R's and other projects that we were involved with, we needed to integrate them. And they just stepped up straight out the gates. Like they were, it was um, just giving them a chance. And then they just showed themselves to be just to be brilliant. And, and one of the things that made us realize is that we definitely um, were clearly standing for something that was quite obvious because the the way that they were able to raise their game wasn't just because they're incredibly talented and they are as individuals, but it was also that they, they'd already, already been through a bit of a preceptorship, it seemed, or it, they'd already understood what we came to do because of the episodes that were already on the internet that made them apply for a, a, what was then originally a, a small project. So, so that's been really cool, and so that's a ten-strong team that that's certainly uh, certainly at the heart of it. Um, and and Jack and Rob are, are two that I know you'll have met before. And, and the fun thing with that is that they were just listeners of Physio Matters that seemed to be providing feedback on a regular basis and seemed to be interested and in promoting what we were doing. To which I reached out to them and just said, "Do you fancy? Do you want to be friends?" You know, it was like really, it was it was an internet thing, and I've, I've never met them before. It was like would you be interested in being involved? Because this can't be about me. It, you know, it, it's really important that this isn't, I didn't want to be, and I, I saw how that was going. You know, the Instagram influencer, personal brand thing, you know, I, I get it and I understand why it's potent and I could have leveraged that and probably been far wealthier than I am. But I knew that it couldn't be that. It needed to be a network. It need, I needed checks and balances. I needed critical friends and they were perfect for it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think who I've not mentioned now, but but Flick's a longtime friend of mine from uh, from uni who then, were, when she got back to the UK, um, I tried to get her involved and she's been an absolute godsend. Then we've got Reedy, who's our clinical lead at Choose Health, who contributes to Physio Matters and has done a couple of interviews, who at the moment is very much focused on our headquarters here uh, in South Manchester, um, but still very involved in, in what well, everyone weighs in really, but Jack, Flick and uh, and the lads at the back are, are very much the the physio matters core team now who run it as a project and it's self-sufficient now which of course is, is brilliant for me with regards to what everything else that's going on it's really cool that you can have who's responsible for what and it's quite clear that where the lines are yeah i think anyone listening to the podcast it's worth just to remind you i mean obviously people listening can't see the image but the reason i've let jack talk about that is because it is i think part of your success and again mr modest it's so true i mean it, physio matters podcast is a team and it's the guests as well i mean it's the whole thing it's like uh um, it's not just one person it never has been just you trying to run the show um and i think that's probably testimony to your success and everything you know just the same team being together and keeping it driving forward so yeah listeners you can it's worth checking out the the visual the video on youtube just to have a look at who jack's referring to and you'll get a better idea um, but anyway, yeah, picture-wise, um, I won't dwell on that. Just to, just in case you are looking at YouTube and you put T, uh, TPMP into YouTube, you will come up with kind of a French serial show. Um, so just skip past that. And that's not actually Jack there years ago. Um, you'll find... <laughs> so, yeah, it was... when I can't see the date on that, but when was the first one, Session 1 with Lee? How long ago was that? We delivered it, rather arrogantly, as a Christmas present to the physio world. It was oh, in, yeah. 18th of December, 2013. I remember yeah. it so well. Yeah. And at the time, it was so revolutionary. It was funny because it went live. I mean, so it says 18th of December, and it's like, you know... We were so, I was, we didn't know the technology. And so it was, though it was technically out then, you know, we weren't sure 
for sure until days later when we were checking it on other apps and can you log into it or is it just us and and so eventually yeah it was just before christmas i remember it well and uh, and we put it out there and crossed our fingers and we'd recorded a few pilot episodes we'd put five in the bank three interviews five episodes because we were splitting them at that point and, uh, and so then we just we just crossed our fingers and said i wonder if this works and it did <laughs> it did in a big way um and then uh and then i was ple- had the pleasure of being involved as well i think probably still the only sports therapist i don't know if that's a good thing you never had a sports therapist back i'm not sure if, but that was episode 19 ben so that's like ben cormack's from a sports therapy background isn't he say again ben cormack is from a sports therapy background i thought ben's um, from um gray isn't he i think he's yeah uh no, I wouldn't put him down as a sports therapist. I don't think he'd admit to that. Definitely the first, and uh, and certainly will. And the last, and show. still voted by uh, by your uh, Jack as the most the least pleasurable experience that he's listened to on the show, <laughs> apparently. So thanks, Jack. Um, still, you know, haven't forgotten about that. Did Mainly I, because I, me and Tom Goom just agreed on everything. He just said it's boring because that, isn't it? But I, I, would you, I, I imagine you're referring to one of these review podcasts that we do at the end of the year with the yes. team meetings and stuff. Yeah, that's the one. And to be honest, yeah. yeah, I remember it being a good episode, but I also do remember it being... Well, you'll even reflect on the fact that you expected you and Tom to have more of a distinction between your positions. We all did, I think, you know, and, and, and Tom as well. I, you know, we weren't, weren't meant to be a debate, but we just thought that there'd be uh, more obvious... Uh, distinctions which is what's interesting about what i said earlier is that once it's unpacked it becomes clearer that the train of thought and the logic that's underneath someone's position is usually closer to the to you than you think and your conclusion being different is actually not that relevant and it, and it moves you both to face each other and so that was a great example of that which did mean it was a more agreeable podcast and jack is a merchant of, of, of dis- uh, disruption and so he probably wanted it to be more fiery than it was, I imagine, which is why his uh, his bias is against you there, mate. I'm afraid. <sighs> have you actually? Interesting. Uh, have you ever been tempted to? Because I've been tempted myself to purposely get two people on the show. Because I don't think you've done this yet. Who you know are from very different viewpoints, different angles. Because there's a danger, isn't there, of always having the same person who's going to kind of kind of satisfy your confirmation bias a little bit you you've chosen them because you know they're on the same page as you but have you ever thought oh, i'm going to get two people who i know can't stand each other and they attack each other on twitter to actually talk it through yeah it's been tempting i think you, you'd be, surprisingly um, well no unsurprisingly i'd say in this day and age turns out that the, even when you try to to bring that together one or both of them bottle it they're not necessarily willing to unpack that because the it's all about the fact that they might get people seen through their conviction and that they, there isn't, it's often a bigger house of cards than they want to admit. And also because of the legacy of the show, um, I think that they, they know that I or the the format would find them out. Um, now, sometimes the, there are occasions where we could easily do that and be sort of uh, stirring in that direction. But instead, we, we, we've made a conscious effort to, to just improve our ability to be devil's advocate and to try to speak from our experiences in clinic or when, when something emerges. And I always encourage uh, the team to not be contrived with their interview style. And so when we're doing when we're training on those things, it's sort of trusting our instincts as clinicians to think, well, that might be nice in theory, but in practice, let's make an example. Let's sort of make create a case study on the spot to try and make it um, drive it home 
those are the ways in which we decide to challenge guests, which I think is just much more effective and also just more cordial um, than uh, an overt debate. One of the bigger challenges as well is that, the, that unfortunately, you can get two debate uh, parties that, that might want to reference different materials and almost use it as a gotcha. So someone might make a point and then it's almost because we've had pilot episodes that have been like this in which you've got someone says, well, you know, I, I, you know, I agree with you there, but you've clearly not read Smith et al. 2016 and therefore I'm not surprised you're ignorant on my point. It's like, well, unless you provided us all with with that, then essentially that's that's a cop out. You know, it's like especially what we try to do whenever there's multiple guests on and you've had this experience as well, is that let's have a library of material that we want to have read. And as long as it's not too extensive, let's just make sure that we're going to be referencing pieces that we're all all fair with. And as soon as you do that, you're less likely to have a combative debate style format. Um, and I think we make more progress. And so we've been tempted. Yes, but. It very rarely, um, it very rarely tempts us for long because I think we can just be more productive. And as long as, and I rarely criticise these days for it, but as long as we don't capitulate as interviewers and don't hold people's feet to the fire when they deserve it to happen, then generally speaking, I think we mitigate that. And so instead, one to one, one to two interviews, which aren't necessarily overt debates, I, I prefer them personally. And it seems the listeners are, are happy enough with what we're doing at the moment. Mm. I think that's a very sensible answer. And it was kind of a leading question because all of these massive arguments online, which I, again, that's made me run away a little bit because it just gets tiring. They just wouldn't exist in real life because either one or both wouldn't act in the same way as they're typing. They wouldn't either have the balls or just the common courtesy to talk to the other person in the way that they do online. Yeah. Um, and often, you, I think often you see that really, I mean, they're, they're actually, some of the time, they're nice people. And you, when you see someone just typing in capitals and shouting, then you assume that they're some kind of like warlock or witch. But in actual fact, they're just normal people. But So, yeah. Um, so, moving on from the Physio Matters podcast then, um, to what I initially said, how turning words, great words, clinical gold, one could say, into action. How did the, the next stage of your changing the state of physiotherapy in the UK happen? How did the, the big R's come about? Um, well, I mean, the, the, the story goes that I was in, I was in chats with Connect Health or another UK independent MSK provider, and they were just interested in, they were trying to share some of the data that they had um, because there was a call for more real world outcome data and they had lots of it. Um, and, and whilst we can question as to the, you know, what, what outcome measures and stuff like that, you can have an interesting conversation about that. The general rule was that that was, when, when I was made aware of it, um, it was interesting stuff. And so I, I took a meeting with them to say, right, well, how could that be shared? They wanted to sponsor a podcast and potentially just say, like, could this could this be embedded within a sensible framework that could promote better, better care? So we're truly holding ourselves to account on valid measures. And so in that conversation, um, I was given room to sort of unpack my broader analysis, something that you've heard many times both on the air but also in person is that I can usually there's there's plenty underneath my opinions in that there's there's a depth of analysis that that is seldom shared because I don't tend to grandstand or many argue I do but generally I I don't tend to so I was giving a, a sort of analysis of the multiple levels of difficulty we have across various different corners of not just the profession but the industry at large and how that plays with the media and all that sort of stuff 
And so in doing so, they then seem to be respectful of that analysis. And they say, well, whilst we agree with much of that, what would you do about it? The devil's in the detail with the actual action. And to some extent, um, and I think there's some of them have accepted this, is that, that that was expected to be more of a gotcha question than it ended up being. Because as you know, and, and many closer to me than they were at that point know, that's actually where I spend most of my time is in the pragmatic solution space. I'm not just analyzing and then shrugging my shoulders. I mean, admittedly, I, I, I often have conversational based solutions. And sometimes that seems to be a bit more wishy-washy than other people that are a bit more matter of fact. But as a general rule, they asked that and I just, right, it was, it was, uh, I would dog to a bone really. And I then said that I would advocate for bringing the conversation together and rec- helping people recognize that at least 80% of what they're talking about, they agree on. And that squabbling over the 20%, if we improve it in sort conversation where people are giving you, but then also not trying to stifle each other's conversations and, and, and provoking self-censorship. If we can just try and find that space, then I think we can make some real progress. And how we would do that would be to try and make physio matters, not physio matters and its surrounding network. You know, don't get me wrong. It wasn't just a physio matters thing. It was just a community of feedback that we were getting that people didn't realize. I don't think people realized how many emails we got, how many patients were listening or, or how many GPs that were heartened by the fact that we were having those conversations and, and being critical of our own profession. We then said, put, that needs to not just be an online space. I think that can mask that can manifest in people in a room, bums on seats. And so they then said, well, how about you put some movers and shakers of that network that we've described and we have them for dinner on an evening uh, before a physio conference where people will be in the, their thought theory was that people will be in the same area geographically. And we could do that as an evening before the conference. And so they, they were like 15, 20 people, for dinner and I then took an inch sorry they gave me an inch and I took a mile and I put and it was funny because I don't regularly do this but I just thought as long and hard about what what could you do because you know do a live interview with some of their team and talk about this data and I could do a bit of a pitch as to what I felt we should move in the direction of but generally it became clear to me that we could try and build it under something a bit more, a bit more depth to it and talk about the core values that underpin what things are. And this is how I came up with this thing called the big R's, which was a tongue in cheek hashtag that uh, many would uh, argue I should change. But as a general rule, the big R's were these three words, reasoning, responsibility and reform, because I felt that they were in various ways, the things that could really unpack the similarities and differences that we can discuss and have a cordial and, and consensus based debate about the solutions. So we did that. And so, yeah, this 15, 20 people for dinner became uh, 60 for a full afternoon. And it's only grown from then in terms of the scale because fair play, you know, at that point, um, the, the big R's fully, fully supported and funded by Connect as a sponsored event. They, they gave me that room and then watched what we were trying to do with it. And then fundamentally, they've, they've not ever tried to to deburr or, or, or take the edge off what we we're doing. Um, and then they've just supported that process. And then at this point in time, they are now um, in a situation where it's like, well, how can we broaden its, how can we broaden its appeal and can it stand on its own feet? Which is why I've been trying to move it in the direction of it being a think tank. That's a collaboration where everyone's included and everyone can have uh, an account and a voice and, and be involved in the, 
the events are very discussion heavy. There's not a lot of being talked at. There's a lot of workshop based material and Q&A and integrated technology. So that's how that came about. And it, I'm just over the moon about how it's been working so far. And also the plans that we've got pushing into even next year. You know, we're trying to get ahead of this for the first time. Um, and the plans for how we can broaden our appeal in quite a short space of time is uh, is fantastic. So, yeah, there are plenty more to come, but certainly the rise of it has been, been fantastic. So, yeah, so that you taking the mile from being offered an inch, definitely, I think it's a very significant, it's almost like Neil Armstrong with his step from Ankh and the huge step from Ankh. I think it's going to be an equal quote because it definitely, for me anyway, it took, um, it took, all those fantastic minds out of Twitter and actually gave them a, a real hi this is you this is me face-to-face platform to talk and and rather than just doing it in kind of you know social media thanks to get some great guests along didn't you for the for the yeah. first conference you did um some very familiar faces Martin you already mentioned um who you managed to get all the way I think it was his first time coming out from Kenya wasn't it yeah and that was like just brilliant. I mean, that's some. I mean, I happened to be in Kenya the week before, or about a month before, I think it was, um, giving a workshop over there. And I met up with him because I see him on social media. I think actually it was Jack who put me in, the other Jack who put me in touch with him. Um, that time he was still worried about visas and stuff, but you managed to get him over, which was just yeah, fantastic. That was, a, that was a challenge. I mean, one of the fun things, and Martin's a great example of some of the work that we've. And I said this at the conference, and so there's a live video of me doing it, so I'll, I'll repeat it here, and I'll try not to get too uh, too emotional about it like I did at the conference. But essentially, Martin dropped into my direct messages as at Kenyan Physio on Twitter at a time where we were under the cosh, we were getting some criticism um, that was uh, not especially constructive, but also just a bit destructive and we were weighing up our options as to what we did moving forward. And, and it just, he came in and said, I listened to your shows and it's helping me to create certain reformative action on our, um, on our, in our country. And, um, and that just made me realize that, okay, we're, we're, we're reaching people and, and people care about what we're doing. And so let's, uh, let's keep the chat going. And, and so I've, I was chatting to him back and forth ever since that, but he really, it made a difference to me and, and him keeping in touch with what he was doing and how he was leveraging our material and how he was using it made me realize that this was a story that needed to be on stage. And so we, we did just that. And though it was a bit of a wrestle, um, we, we, we got him over here and, uh, and he made a huge impact unsurprisingly um, because his story is fantastic. It, it, it's, it really helps you to realize that, um, Sometimes it feels like, and we, we even said about it, Matt, we get a bit allergic to the squabbles sometimes. But what Martin was saying is that the, that friction that occurs between ideas is something that is, it, it has a secondary effect. It might seem like it, it doesn't really go anywhere, but for someone like him who's really struggling to have those conversations and sometimes doesn't even have the freedom within the associations and organisations to agitate in that direction, then he said that, if anything, it needs to be like that. And he, he was really supportive of it. So it, it gave me, the, me and the team, the ability to kick on. And, uh, and uh, I'm glad we did. And so he's a great friend. Um, we've, we've shared many a conference and beer together now. And, uh, and long may his work continue. We're going to continue to support him in many, whichever ways we can and just uh, hopefully see more of him. Because as you know, his, his, his infectious smile and attitude just rubs off on you, doesn't it? 
Oh yeah, and his, and and just the words of wisdom. He he's one of these guys who finds it difficult to open his mouth without saying something just immensely profound. With uh, with a, I think it's part of something I've always criticised England about, and why I probably went to live abroad for so many years because I don't know English culture, the language. You look at the poetry and the and the. It's just we lack that passion. It's just all very stay in your house and watch EastEnders or something where. It takes someone from another country, particularly like Kenya, to come out with these analogies and metaphors and experiences and and true sense of hardship and poverty or whatever. And we haven't really, you know, the last dictator we had, I think, was Cromwell. We haven't really suffered as a country for a long, long time. Well, I'm talking about down south and up north. You've got your issues. But down (laughs) south, I've had it pretty good for a long time. So, yeah. No, I think there's something on that and, and there's something that's relevant on that with regards to my story in that I think that at the heart of what we're saying there is that people need to have the ability and the space to articulate themselves as, as well as they can. And therefore that might, that's where individualism sort of can be healthy. But unfortunately I, and I, I personally have the opinion that there's just such a huge orthodoxy with regards to style of speech and style of expression and it being sort of a rigidity of education and various other parts of, of, of ways of doing things that I didn't I only accidentally cut through that but even and it comes up all the time with feedback and stuff about both for good and bad but you know even the fact that my accent's a strong northern one seems to be relevant I don't know why, and I'm not saying it should be, but I'm just meaning that the, there was so there were enough distinctions between what we were doing and what typical CPD was at that point and has been for the last 15 years. And there was just a reordering of things that was going on and continues to go on. I think that's why it seemed to be a perfect time. And so, you know, with 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 Martin, as you say, the the, the colourful, expressive way in which he will explain things and use imagery and, and leverage stories from from his culture is, is such a way that of course we should learn from that you know and martin's not going to pretend that that's something that's super novel and tethered to him he, he he'd just say look just share your share your truth share your experiences and we need to get more comfortable doing that so the britishness the politeness the orthodoxy that had crept in and as you've you've tethered it to a lack of suffering and i can understand that analysis um i'd have to think more on it as to whether or not i agree with that as a northerner compared to you guys maybe in sunny brighton you know but um but, but generally i think that there's something relevant to that and i think it's relevant to my story and some of our successes definitely so let's um, use the remaining time then to, you mentioned already the, the three R's, which in itself was a hashtag. I can't remember the exact numbers that you mentioned. It just took off, didn't it? It was a hashtag that just kind of, again, right time, right place. Um, talk us through again the three of them and why you chose those three words relative to the state of physiotherapy in the UK today. Yeah, you'll you'll get a much more articulate answer to this in the video that I'm sure we can plug at mm. the end of this, um, which is one that I think you've screenshotted there, um, which is me explaining the big R's and, and what it is beyond a hashtag in five minutes as best I could and, and, and uh, a more scripted uh, approach to it. So I'll be much more articulate on that than I will be here. But as a general rule, the reasoning part of it. So this is me. This is me lying supine in my front room, trying my hardest to think, what the hell am I going to do um, to make this more than just a dinner with Connect Health, right? And um, so I thought about it and I thought, well, generally speaking, the thing that seems to be the cohesive part of, of every witch analysis that seems to be out there and every witch squabble is that generally speaking, most people are pro-reasoning 
um, and less into algorithmic decision making or the suggestion that we, sh if only the flow chart was complex enough, we would get to answers. It was usually embodied, embedded within good quality conversation and clinical reasoning to come to a decision that was weighing up the pros and cons or likelihoods of differential diagnosis. And, and also that seemed to scale up into organizational reform or it ended up dis being discussed when it came to evidence-based practice and the application of that it, it, and policy change, all sorts of stuff. Was it, Reason was at the heart of it and, and certainly at the heart of my mine and my team's core values and, and the guests that have been on the podcast and stuff. So that was, a, that was probably the easy one because it was the one that was sort of the most all encompassing but then it was like so if that's the case why does anyone disagree ever and it came to realize that both across society and especially in healthcare and in physio that responsibility discussions were the key one there seemed to be a bit of a wedge issue really is that um and it, and it plays out across so this wasn't just unique to physio but we just didn't seem to be anywhere near having that conversation appropriately it's like how much is it the clinician's responsibility to enact an evidence-based approach and be ethical with their practice and how much are they held account to that how much are they held or how, how much are they responsible because they're held to be responsible and accountable by those above them the managers or the organizations or the, the people that they sign registers for and um and then what is the responsibility beyond that for those organizations and employers and how much is the organization of everything from small p politics through local councils to uh, community groups to charities to government and so generally speaking everyone's got a different take on that matter and then we're not pretending that we have a policy on that but the distribution of responsibility seemed to be an agreement piece is that we need to have those conversations that's the thing that's divided us so let's have a sensible conversation about how much individuals should be responsible how much do we try and make a case for society at large to be responsible for their health and their well-being and their education and their understanding but we need to provide consistent information to do so so that was the reasoning was the agreement the responsibility was the difference and then reform was Almost it started off being reasoning, responsibility, and then reform, question mark. Like, does a reformative agenda emerge from those conversations when you have it uncensored, approachable, and broad? And to my mind, I thought it would. You know, that, that was my bias. It, it, was, uh, it could have been an exclamation mark for me. But I was really trying to step back and think, right, how much are we, you know, this isn't just a, I know the ends that we want to aim for here. This is a, let's have this conversation with some really brilliant people that have been providing otherwise bits of feedback. And could that move in the right direction? And it turns out, yeah, people tended to agree that, that people don't always like that word. But as a general rule, um, people realized that it was a multi-level analysis of things that wasn't just let's change this one thing and then you know it all, it all moves like dominoes. It was kind of like, no, there are several different layers to this that we need to mature the conversation on and then have better policies and proposals to then make sure that we can enact the future in a way that is informed by evidence-based policy change rather than just the dogmas and the suggested history that's gone on. Because we can understand how we got here, but but when we look back, we could probably realize that some of those mistakes, well, we can't re we can't change that. We could definitely try and change our future. And so that's that's how that came about. And those words were were really, really thought out. You know, I didn't just guess it. Now, the, the bit that I then when I hashtagged it and especially in my accent, it sounds like I'm saying big ass. Um, <laughs> maybe it does now. Maybe I uh, maybe I regret that. Slide, but um, it certainly did well. And, and the, for our, the week of our conference which is the third event we did, you got 34.1 million impressions across social media. And when I got back to work on the on the Monday, 
I had voicemail messages from senior civil servants, from um, MDs of, of various large multinational corporations, uh, from the fact that you don't, you make a splash when something from nothing is then tethered to a movement where people are clearly hungry for those sorts of conversations. It gets noticed is what I'm getting at. Now, for me, Twitter is such a small part of what we do now, if I'm honest. You know, Physio Matters has always had a listenership that's far beyond social media. That's just been a, a platform for us to enact discussion, but also for us to just simply do press releases on the material that we've got out there. You know, our main thing has been long-form interviews that are downloaded through all various different audio platforms. And so for, for me, I don't want to over-analyze over, over the, uh, the hashtag and exactly what those numbers mean, but it kind of was just a... An example of how people sometimes are a bit complacent about what grassroots emergent movements can do if they are truly capturing, um, if they've truly got their finger on the pulse, which I think we have. Yeah, that's no, brilliant. I mean, the thing that I like about those three words as well, uh, and I think it's comparable, is is some of the resistance against, for example, a country, and you mentioned like civil servants taking notice and people who can actually maybe make a change and a difference. And and it's the same kind of process that an individual therapist has to go through in order to kind of evolve as well. Um, because part of the struggle for therapists listening, imagine there's a therapist listening to this who's very much I'm feeling a bit challenged. Maybe he's listened to a couple of your guests and thinking, oh, my God, they're criticizing everything I do, everything I've studied, everything that I take as gospel. They've kind of got to go through these three words as well in their own heads to evolve as a therapist. So they've got to listen to some reasoning and kind of not get too hostile and work it out. Then they've got to take some responsibility and think, well, why am I in this job? I want to help the patient. I want to help the client or the runner in front of me. I want to give them the best advice possible. Um, and that's the responsibility. And then in order to do both of those things, then obviously um, they've got to have some reform as well. They've got to evolve and change. So I think there's kind of a parallel between what I've had to do from years ago, because when we've all been there, I think all of your guests would probably admit that 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, even they were preaching things definitely, which now they kind of think, God, what was I doing? I kind of listen to myself. And it's a natural part of being in the healthcare system, isn't it? It's what science does. We don't know all the answers, but that's what science is. We kind of try and work out the answers along the way. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the, the you've stumbled upon kind of three words which resonate not only with how a country's going to change and the, the delivery of physical physiotherapy education and everything, but also how a therapist has got to change as well without thinking, I haven't got to throw everything out. I liked what you said on the video about the last word isn't revolution because that's a scary word. It's not a case of everything's going to change. It's not a case of we're going to cut, chop the heads of all the old therapists and get this new breed out. Yeah. Everyone's just got to reform. You just got to change a little bit, little changes and then the end result could be huge, which is at the end of the day is what we're all after, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's music to my ears in many ways because it's meant to be scalable. You know, the, the reason and responsibility reform, it, it's on an individual personal journey level. But it's also then I think it's something that trans, it does move up the chain. I do think that you can then apply that through organizations and operational behaviors and, and systems in, in general. Um, if we can keep the conversation ticking over and people recognize that we're not saying the, the middle R, the responsibility thing, isn't a, a process that lands us on one particular stakeholder group that then needs to take responsibility. That's not the point. But it should be, as you've as you've clearly received it, something that you can apply to yourself, but you can apply to the group that you, you're within. You can apply it to the organizations, especially those that supposedly try to speak for you. Um, you can then apply it broader 
um, through democratic means and in, in, into into obviously the larger P politics. But as a, as a general rule, the in the in the video where I'm saying about it not being revolution is a really important one. I think people need to hear that from me. It seems because the um, I don't know where they get it from. If I'm honest, I've really scrutinised that, and I don't I don't see myself as ever being much of an advocate or of, of, of a revolutionary approach. I'm the conversation guy. I don't think, I, so it kind of irritates me in a, in a way, but clearly people are a bit sensitive to the fact that they think I might have some sort of agenda to, to really tear things down. But to my mind, it's really important that we recognize what we need to conserve or how we got here and how some of the mistakes that I see we made might not have been necessarily mistakes. It might have been necessary evils to get us where we are. And, and so I, I really respect those conversations. And so it's important for me to use reform rather than revolution to recognize that we need to change some things and we need to conserve other things. And that is exactly where the sweet spot of what I think is, is quality debate happens, really, because there's a good case to conserve what we're doing sometimes. And, and we want to make sure we hear it. Otherwise, we do throw the baby out with the bathwater, a, a phrase that I say far too much on the podcast. Apparently, I get heckled every time I do it. But um, I hope it makes sense. I'm glad it clearly does to you. And I hope others recognize the importance of us uh, being careful with our words. But also, people have invited me, as you've just done there, to explain as to why I've chosen those things. You know, there's plenty of other, at least our words that could be in there. You know, I use the word rehabilitation an awful lot and we could rehabilitate our own thinking. You know, I could have lent on that. But being invited to explain those things and explain it hopefully gives people the reassurance that the, these things are often fairly considered, uh, certainly more considered than most of the words that I utter. I'm not saying I'm always really considered and always perfectly contrived with exa exactly why I use what, everything I use. But in this instance, to underpin a movement and to put a think tank together, that's going to be a broad coalition of views to enact pragmatic change at every level of analysis. Trust me, I didn't do that clumsily, you know, and I hope people realise that I do think uh, long and hard about this and the feedback loop in my team are constantly trying to, to do that because essentially it's a team of skeptics right we've got a network of skeptics trust me we're, we're held to an account that's far higher than, than everyone else seems to be and we're fine with that by the way but let's not pretend that we're just building an echo chamber for the sake of it and if we are one for now it's because we're young and we're just going to constantly push those boundaries and i just regularly try and reassure people in that direction yeah there's uh, some wonderful questions for and as a kind of i'm not a physiotherapist i debated the idea and i was always jealous of people who like i think you're rich didn't you rich barnes he went from sports therapy and then studied physiotherapy didn't he and i was so tempted but it was just like the eternal student i just had to settle down with what i had and, but it's i think it's important that what you're talking about isn't just for physiotherapists at all i mean it's sold as that because it's i mean it's a big enough task in itself to deal with physiotherapy because that's what you are and that's the kind of connections you've got but all disciplines um any, any healthcare provider it's all very relative isn't it what we're talking about they're all kind of need the same form of reform um so i think everybody can gain something from having a look at uh, what you're saying and what you're promoting and indeed attending your conferences which is what i want to kind of draw people's attention to now so you've got what will be which number of conference will this will this be one be second annual conference yes. the second annual conference and that's going to be in let me just find the oh, go on here here we go where are we that's the video there we are so 18th isn't it right yeah 18th and 19th of october in 19th of october Bigger. and there's still tickets available for that yeah yeah the early birds just got completely snapped up i've, I've just done because we've got this explainer video that's just gone out we've done it we're doing a 10 percent deal for tickets um for just on the back of that video really if you use the uh, discount code explainer 
And if you can't make it in person, we have a digital offering. We can we we tune you into a live stream, and you can you can sit in your pants at home if you'd prefer, if especially if you're in a different country. Uh, but hopefully, you come and join us in Manchester for the conference for more of what I've been talking about. And what sort of capacity are we talking about at this this event this time? How many people do you expect to come along? Yeah, it's it's scalable. I mean, we're we're looking at because it's conversational. We certainly don't. I mean. I mean, I'd have to. I'd need a different venue if I wanted it in the in the uh, you know beyond five hundred or what have you. But generally, speaking, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at two two to three hundred. Um, but realistically, I'm going to try if I can to set a format that can scale to the tickets. And as a general rule, though, they're not going to last compared to last time because it was embryonic and it was something that was untested. But it went so well, and um, and the organisation seemed to just come good at the eleventh hour. Means that it seems on the current trajectory of ticket sales that we're we're probably going to end up capping it out. So I imagine it'll be about three hundred, and and they'll probably because the program's out within the next couple of weeks. And so I imagine that the, the last few will go from that. So please don't hang about if you are planning on doing it. Um, but generally, I mean, in years to come, I think if we can keep it keep it rolling, then we'll probably have say five hundred people. Um, I think that'd be a nice sweet spot where we'll be able to have splinter groups and breakout sessions and some main room lectures. But generally speaking, we'd need too big a venue to go beyond that. And yeah. uh, really, we, we, we don't want to end up with too many people spoke for choice for what to do. But for now, yeah, I think I think between two and two and three hundred people is what we're expecting in October. And we will we will tinker the format according to that. And the venue we've got is because of that that sort of prediction. So, but if there's, you mentioned that if there are some particularly young physiotherapists who listen to this or see the, see the event advertised elsewhere and are interested, there will be a digital version they can listen to after the event or during. Is it is it stream live as well during or stream live during, and then we then leave that leave you if you've bought into it, you then get that till the end of the year, so you can watch that after the fact if you want to or, or come back to it. Um, how we did it last time and it worked really well and we had a popular following from various places across the world where people tuned in and so we're just literally live streaming as it happens um, across the rooms and then we even recorded the other workshops because obviously you can only live stream one thing and then we recorded the other workshops and, and then put them in so you were only ever an hour behind if you wanted to watch a particular workshop so that worked really well and it was good for us to do that so we can we can bring it to everyone. And with the physiotherapy thing, I just thought it'd be worth mentioning is that I happen to be a physio um, for now. Um, you know, if I, I've made the argument that if I, if I can't if we can't make a persuasive case to uh, move forward with a reformative agenda, especially on certain issues such as what I think are clearly important, such as governance or or accountability with regards to excellence and and, and improving the systems that can really truly um, raise the standards or at least maintain the standards that we have whilst we bring new people into a profession that's that's hoping and looking to grow, then. To my mind, I'd be happy to practice as a musculoskeletal practitioner in the future if if physiotherapy didn't feel to represent me. However, with regards to it being physiocentric, that is that is almost by design. It's not exclusive, and we really are trying to be, make sure we're keen to involve many different professions and AHPs, especially. But I am quite clear in the fact that it seems that if we if we really mean business in the pragmatism front then physiotherapists are a key workforce that can enact these changes in MSK practice across the public and private sector. They tend to span that more easily. So whilst you can make a case, and many do, for sports therapists, sports rehabilitation professionals, 
and osteopaths and chiropractors and things like that. It's like, of course, they are involved and they should be listened to and they should be included. And that's why we talk about, and it's called reforming MSK practice, not reforming physio. By the way, yeah, reform.physio is the website purely because that's a trendy handle. But as a general general rule, um, I'm unapologetic about the fact that it might end up being personnel end up being physiocentric and it's not just because i happen to be a physio and there lies my bias but i think my work plays this out by the way i don't think it's just words i tend to just admit that when you look at the balance of it thinking on a population level how are who are going to implement these changes physiotherapists at the heart of that makes sense i think it's a sensible competent uh, workforce that can improve itself and then realistically we can form a broader coalition but if we did it from snc coaches and sports therapists from there up that would be more challenge and, and and really it'd be really difficult for us to spread that hotspot but a case could be made that, that there's, uh, there are other professions that have got their acts together or are further ahead than physios in this conversation so and i'm open to that and i love those views but i just want people to know that uh, that it's, it's very involved in, in various different other professions. But as a general rule, I hope that makes sense as to why you will probably find 80% physiotherapists in, in the big R's at the moment. No, I definitely, I mean, I'm forever trying to encourage sports therapists, which is my background, to tune into the Physio Matters podcast. And because, again, there seems to be often this kind of almost rivalry between the two. Um, in the sense that a lot of physios will look down on sports therapists because they could have just done a weekday course. And, it, and it's true. I mean, the sports therapy is not a regulated title and people have to watch out. because. But then again, even just because you go and see a physio doesn't mean you're going to get a guaranteed fantastic gospel truth service. And there's plenty of bad physios out there just the same as yeah. bad sports therapists. Mm. But that's the one thing which I think we mentioned earlier, which we, the reform.physio and the whole three R's and everything, what it's doing is improving healthcare and the topics which you discuss and the challenges and the potential solutions is something which any healthcare professional, um, even a GP, anything, anybody who's involved with looking after patients and people in pain could definitely um, take so much away from, um, from what you're doing. So I thank you for that on behalf of sports therapists. Um, and, um, yeah, well, there was so much more I wanted to talk to you about. Um, including your own involvement in running because you see a lot of runners as well you've got your own how's that going how's your new center going so that's relatively new isn't it it is yeah yeah we've got a new headquarters in which i'm sat so we've got a we've got a, this is a podcast studio which is in my office but also we've got a gym and a, a rehab suite and an education suite in here um we, we need to try and really sharpen up um i think and, I, and I'm definitely a conversation i want to have with you with regards to the offering around specific running analysis and stuff but we do we do get analysis in here as part of a wider embedded within a wider assessment as as you advocate and we've learned a lot from from your work in that direction and um we see a lot of you see a lot of patients we saw bits at various different things both runners and non-runners of all ages and we're just building up what is Probably compared to most of my work, this is the most standard thing we've done. We just have a standard private practice, uh, but within a non-standard philosophy of, of, of seeing people um, infrequently as they need us. You know, it's sort of uh, trying to, you know, if um, we, we one of our cheesy slogans really is you, you should rarely need us. But when you do, we're there and we'll get you back out perfect. there and doing what you love. Um, and, and that's the model that we've tried to work with really is to, to make sure we're thorough with assessment, thorough with planning, engage them and, and collaborate with a plan and then move them forward from there. So yeah, and and, and really, um, as you know, runners, runners just, they get hurt, they make mistakes, they, they get sucked into various different fads and, and issues. 
And also because we've always been integrated into technology, we can see people and, and assess them remotely if there's a if there's a geographical distance between us or we can have that conversation or we can point them in the right direction for some materials or ideas that that might help to debunk some of the myths that they've clearly been sucked into but similarly it's not us preaching to them it's us engaging them in a conversation that can try and change their views and expose them to something that that might be in a better direction uh, and not just necessarily a, a, a change of view to pick another fad it's trying to help people to realize that lots of these things is a kernel of truth to them. It's only when they become a worldview or an ideology or that people start then getting carried away on them that that's an issue. So we're trying to do that all the time and building some of the philosophy that, that Physiomatters has shown us to have the consistency of message. We're just doing that within a more standard private practice here in South Manchester. So certainly if anyone's got any needs there or any therapists that, that want second opinions or are in a you know, different locality, sometimes that happens. We get referrals from therapists all over the country and world who've got family members that are geographically different to them. I hope that people know that they can trust that we practice what we preach. Yeah, which is also very important as well. Again, putting words into actions. Well, look, it's, um, it's already 2.34. There was so much more I wanted to talk to you about. But in hopefully people, I mean, the reason I do these is because I want to reach out to, to more people so because we've talked about a lot of times in the past that really twitter is just a drop in the ocean and even with the amount of downloads i mean i can't remember how many you mentioned like twenty six thousand downloads to an episode you'd think with those sort of numbers the world would have changed already the uk would have a perfect healthcare, <laughs> but it just shows how even that even twenty six thousand is a drop in the ocean compared to what you know the change we need to make things different when you go and visit and what sort of um, service you're going to receive so um, I hope people will watch this and if they are interested in pursuing all the fantastic information you've got, I mean, the podcast is obviously a, a great avenue to go down as an introductory route, isn't it? You've already got 63 great episodes, particularly season, uh, season 18 with myself and uh, Tom oh, Goom. That's probably one of the my favourite, Jack March's favourites. But yeah, there's <laughs> people can just work through that list now, can't they? And watch them either on YouTube or you're all, you're all iTunes and Spotify and all that as well, yeah? Yeah, across all, all good podcast platforms and, and YouTube, which is not exactly ideal. It's not always, but we, we're doing more video content on Facebook and YouTube and stuff because we've got the studio, so we're going to be live streaming lots of our material. And yeah, as a general yeah. rule from that, that point you've made there is that we just need to make sure that we're not complacent about trying to change things. And also recognising that whilst the boring point, it's also a relevant one, that is that it's probably a good thing that things don't change too quickly because we're probably all wrong to some extent. And so the, the resistance to change, we need to try and use that as a sharpening mechanism to, instead of becoming too frustrated, and trust me, I get frustrated, but recognising that that counterbalance, that force that you're pushing against, try and identify what it is about that that's got some credibility. What is it there that's well thought out? Is it just Luddite resistance? Or is it that they actually have some points in which they're concerned that you are throwing the baby out with the bathwater? What is it that they think? What is the je ne sais quoi that you think they're losing? And that's why I use language like reform and try to improve conversation. It doesn't always work, don't get me wrong, and we have his own controversies. But as a general rule, we need to recognise that we've got to keep chipping away at it because it's not going to happen overnight. And as you know, it's another cheesy thing that the big R's has been pushing is that if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? 
if we can't do that, if the time isn't now, then I'm not, I'm not sure what is. And on a personal level, anyone that's ever known me and, and you know that conversations have moved in this direction, years gone by, I've been fairly consistent that two things that are really core to my being as a person and therefore the team that I've created is I'm an education and healthcare guy, right? So the heart of everything I'm about, the heart of everything I've ever worked with, the heart of everything that's even in the in the larger stuff with regards to how I see mistakes being made both politically and in interpersonal relationships is that those things we can get the healthcare and education right. I think we can all live a happier and more prosperous life. And so if those are the focuses, if those are the things we need to concentrate on, then let, let's make sure that conversation doesn't break down because there's more things important than squabbles and reputations. Uh, we need to make sure that we we try and strip the ego from it as best possible. Although many say, you know, I'm an attention seeker by heart. And so maybe I don't always do that perfectly. But where possible, let's create networks, let's improve conversations, let's not shy away from, from some of the important stuff, but also recognize that fundamentally, you know, we agree on more than we disagree on. And, and, and the more in common thing uh, should hopefully push forward. Definitely. Fantastic words. Um, well, look, um I'm going to chat with you after I just sign off here in about a couple of minutes. But, um, yeah, I'd just like to say uh, thank you very much for giving us your time, Jack. Um, and if people want to uh, pursue what you've been talking about, particularly the, the big R's, then uh, reform.physio is the best website. Is it for that? It is, yeah. That tends to be the library that we're using for yep. it. Um, it's, uh, it's just following the hashtags probably. A good hashtag as well. Hashtag the big R's, the big R-S. And um, and also just check out check out what we're doing. Physio matters is always the best place to go. It, that's certainly if you're thinking what what's this all mean? What's it look like when it's all living and breathing? When it stops being talk and starts being action, then that tends to be where it where it happens. So just tune in, listen to a few shows, and you'll soon know whether it's for you or not. And you can and we're across all social media, so we're very easy to find. And it's helpful me having such an odd name, really, because I'm. Uh, you, you don't have to look too far. Just, just uh, look for look for Jack Chew, look for Physio Matters, look for Chew Pal. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. Right. Well, thank you very much. Like I say, I'll chat to you in a couple of minutes. We're just going to sign off um, on the podcast and for people watching us. Um, so once again, thank you very much, Jack. I shall talk to you very shortly. Nice thank you. Right, well, there we go. Um, there was an awful lot more I wanted to talk to Jack about, but it's, I think for those uninitiated, probably the importance of the work that Jack's doing, it's difficult to understand unless you've followed the journey, which we've kind of all been on since the early days, since the Physio Matters podcast session one, um, back many years ago. Um, but if it's something which does interest you, if you're starting to pick up on the vibe that a lot of what we've been taught um, needs not a revolution, but just needs tweaking because, you know, when we understand how something works, then we can make it better. So whilst we're still believing in mechanisms of action, which we kind of now know are very most probably not true, in some cases just not true, then we're not going to be able to provide a better service. And that's where the healthcare system is today on every single level of just giving patients something which looks like it works, but it's not working for the reasons we think, or indeed it's not even working. So hopefully um, you will pursue either reform.physio as a website, uh, check in with the Physio Matters podcast episodes. Like I say, I'm biased, but I think all 63 deserve listening to. Um, and you can listen to them in any order. You know, good, go for the one which you, maybe it's somebody you've heard already. There's Greg Lehman on there. There's, um, uh, what's the name of the little chap? Um, Core Kinetic. There's Ben Cormack. He's on there. Um, there's plenty of people around who you may have already picked up on. Tune in with them, have a listen, and then it will feed from one to the other. Um, if you have enjoyed this, as always, please spread it, share it, um, share us some love, and uh, particularly um, YouTube. Um, 
we've i mean we haven't had twenty six thousand downloads but we've had thousands now so it'd be nice to see a few more subscribers uh just to make um, me feel a bit happier and to think that the message is getting out there but um we're back again in a couple of weeks um you'll have to find out if you want to know the guests coming up then just subscribe to my website runchatlive.com it's free uh, but if you subscribe you'll get a monthly newsletter and it allows you to see the kind of next four or five guests coming up we've got some great guests coming up covering all aspects um, of running injury and performance so do subscribe at runchatlive.com uh, but for the moment i would just say thank you for listening to this podcast today and uh, yeah we'll see you in two weeks time thank you bye-bye you're listening to run chat live podcast putting the evidence back into running injury and performance